Yo, welcome back to another podcast with the Transfer Portal CFB presented by No Contact CFB. Week three is here. We'll talk about that slate and some other stuff. Got Parker with me today as well as PFF's very own lead NFL draft analyst now. Pretty sick to say that. Trevor Sycamo, what's up, man? How are you doing? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's really cool uh, stepping in the shoes of Mike Renner, getting to take over for him. And uh, I've been a big NFL draft guy since like middle school, high school. So this is pretty cool for me to be able to step into this spot. It lets me watch a lot more college football, get to connect that with the NFL, man. So uh, I appreciate it. I'm excited for it. I mean, like, it's it's just so cool to see you up there and doing that now and get, getting that role. And I don't know, having talked some college ball with you and more in particular NFL draft stuff the last few years, seeing you there now is just it is very dope. I can't wait to see what you do. I appreciate it, man. It means a lot. I've already watched way more prospects than I normally do by this time of the year. So I feel like I'm already acclimated to some draft topics that we're going to get to here on the show. Well, then that's really good to hear. So y'all listening, make sure you like and subscribe. And, and we'll just get right into this because we're going to have some really good 2024 NFL draft talk. And it's September 12th. Where else are you getting this? I don't know. Probably PFF with Trevor. But for today, you can get here with us. Uh, we'll start with the, the week three slate. Parker, I just want to start with you. When you look at the slate, first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. I, primarily, a lot of ranked teams, a lot of the early season darlings kind of going into some some tricky road environments. Not necessarily anything too daunting, but I see a lot of trap games. You're looking uh, Penn State at Illinois, LSU at Mississippi State, K-State at Mizzou. Uh, I mean, you even throw in Florida State at BC just for the sake of it, kind of in that morning slate. Uh, then you got Washington and Michigan State as well later on in the day. So a lot of ranked teams kind of going into some weird, you know, maybe sleepy environments that they're that they're not necessarily used to. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, kind of upset minded teams are looking to looking to make an early season statement. So I have a feeling at least one, maybe two of those kind of top teams are going to go down the road just the way this season's kind of progressing and um, kind of how things are set up this week. I'm I'm not going to throw Bama at South Florida, or Oklahoma at Tulsa into that mix necessarily, but I mean. Technically, that falls into that same category. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of ranked teams with some some early season road tests uh, in week three. Yeah, will be interesting to see how it all plays out. How about you, Trevor? No, I mean, I, I agree a lot with what Parker said. You know, some of those games, I think the Penn, the Penn State-Illinois one is, is really intriguing to me because I think that there's a chance that Illinois could play a really good ball game against them. And, and Penn State, for the Drew Aller era starting – you know, I think he's been good, but there are a lot of their stars around him, like specifically, I think to some NFL draft guys that they have, like Olu Fashano, um, Chop Robinson, Kalen King, like they've been okay, but it's not like they lit the world on fire in those first two early weeks. So um, if those stars don't show up against Illinois, kind of be a trap game. So I agree with that one. Uh, LSU, Mississippi State, it's the same thing. Kansas State, Missouri, definitely the same thing. The, the one game that I wish we were talking about in different circumstances is South Carolina versus Georgia. Like that would have been a sick game had South Carolina looked better or even beat North Carolina when they faced off um, for the, for the opening game of the season. So I wish we were kind of talking about that one a little bit differently, but Parker highlighted the big ones. It's, it's a lot of interesting road tests for some of these teams. Yeah. There there's look, I'll be honest. 
first thing that comes to mind for me is underwhelming. I, I it's just such a like how we're in week three of the college football season. You know, technically already three weeks in if you want to count week zero. I want some big time certified matchups right here, right now in week three. And we just don't really have that. We have the sneaky kind of, oh, maybe we could pick you off game. We need a marquee showdown or something. We have that next week, but I don't know. The slate's just kind of uh, kind of sleepy, but that's when college football will uh, punch you in the mouth and wake you up and some stuff's going to go down. So obviously you got to be on alert for that. Nonetheless, it's why there's a heavy emphasis on draft talk this week. It was the perfect week to bring Trevor on, and you know, we'll get into some draft talk. It's even dabble with a 2025 topic in a, in a few minutes. I don't know when we get there, but I, I want to start with 2024 NFL draft favorite draft prospects. I don't know who wants to go first between you two, but m- maybe we start with, with uh, PFF, PFF's lead draft analyst. I, I honestly, I, I, I'd rather hear if Parker's got some people, I'd rather hear Parker's because honestly, I know so many of these guys and this class is going to be so much fun. I feel like I could talk about a lot of them. So I don't want to double up on anybody that Parker's going to shout out. So if Parker goes first, then I can, I can kind of piggyback off of that. Very fair. Very fair. That's a, yeah, that's fair. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. I've got uh, for first off to start, I mean, a fairly obvious one that a lot of people heard about, but it's, it's an easy pick for me. Joe Walt, just one of my favorite offensive linemen to watch these past couple of years, Notre Dame. It's just, he's going to continue that pipeline of Notre Dame linemen, making it uh, to the NFL and playing well. I, I could see him honestly being a day one starter. Uh, if he continues kind of on this trajectory right now, it's just so reliable. So solid in both pass protection, run blocking. You've seen him early in the season, really dominating with Notre Dame's running attack, uh, having a lot of success. So, He's definitely kind of the number one that springs to my mind. I think Keon Coleman has made himself a ton of money in these first couple weeks of the season. I think it's just his combination of size, but then his ability to hurdle over defenders, you know, juke pretty much everybody on the field. That's very rare to see out of a guy like that. Um, and I just think NFL offensive coordinator is going to have a field day utilizing him in a lot of different ways. Um, and I forget in the moment, so I apologize in advance to uh, on how to pronounce his last name properly, but Cooper DeJean, DeJean uh, out of Iowa just productive his entire career there super reliable he's a playmaker through and through um he's got experience and I think another big thing you look at is what kind of defense do you play for he plays for a very um you know structured high quality defense that's going to resemble some NFL systems over at Iowa keeping again kind of that pipeline of Iowa DBs going to the NFL very strong so I think he's going to be another guy that's going to end up going at least within the first three two three rounds probably and he's going to have another great year after he already last season i Forget how many interceptions, but he was one of the leaders in the country, I believe. So he's definitely another one I'm I'm watching. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you went first because DeGene and Coleman were two of the guys that I would have brought up. So it's good that I kind of get to piggyback off here and kind of echo a lot of what you said there. DeGene, man, I think you're you're even selling him a little bit short, saying, hey, you could go in, you know, round three, round two. I think this is a round one player. I think he's one of the best football players in the country. You mentioned the interceptions. He had five of them last year. Two of them were pick sixes. The ball skills are out of this world. He also had six incomplete forced incompletions to go along with that. I when I look at him, he's got really good size for an outside corner. He's about six foot one, 205 pounds, which is fantastic, both with um with height and with weight. Some people think that he's going to be a safety. And here's my thing. If you think he's going to be a safety, 
I don't even really believe that hurts his draft stock much. Like I still think he's a first round player, even if you think that he's more of a free safety, because the way that this guy reads quarterbacks, the way that he understands offenses, he played both sides of the ball in high school. He was an insane athlete who ran track, played baseball, played basketball. Like he is just one of the most natural athletes that I watched of the 160 prospect draft eligible guys that I watched this summer. He's one of the, top five that I would say is just one of the most naturally gifted athletes. So I think he's phenomenal. Keanu Coleman's the same way. I think that he's crazy athletic Uh, Michigan versus Michigan state last year. He was mossing guys throughout that entire first half. It was an unbelievable performance. And then obviously we saw what he was able to do against LSU um, and what he's been able to do so far early in this college football season. So uh, I agree with you on those two, man. Those are two of the fun, more fun players that we have in this class. All right, you want me to give a few and then maybe you after, Trevor? Sure, yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. All right, all right. So, obviously, I'm not even going to talk in depth about him. Everyone knows Jared Verse, been one of my guys for a while, should have been a top five pick last year, whatever. He'll just, Amen. He'll, he'll Amen. Be tough. Yeah, that hurt us, man. <laughs> Would have been sick to see him go, but we'll enjoy him in the college game a little longer. Uh, Riley Leonard, I was so pleasantly surprised to see he was getting hyped even before the Clemson game began his, uh, I thought it have had to take taken a really good showing against Clemson for him to get the hype he deserves. But we're talking like a week and a half, two weeks before the season starts before that game. And the hype's starting to build around him, and people are starting to see this guy could play. He's a first round talent. One of the best athletes in the country. I don't want to hear that sneaky athletic stuff. We saw ESPN put it up there. We saw the windmill dunking game, the 360. We know what he's capable of. Uh, I love Shaw Smith Wade, corner at Washington State. I think I DM'd you about him like a month ago or something. He's one of my favorite players in the class. I spoke to Dayan Henley about him who gets drafted by the Chargers a few months ago. And, and, and Henley told me, He's a pure baller. He's so instinctive. He's versatile. He's so combative. The combative in the run game. He's set for one of the best seasons in the country. Uh, I think he's going to be a big time riser. I can't wait to see what he does. He had a pretty good showing against Wisconsin as well. Um, Jock has Donut Evans at Western Kentucky. I'm a big fan. You can climb at linebacker or let him rush off the edge. I think he's another very good player. I think we put him as a preseason second team all-american his speed is violence he's just a heady player as well he's really going to help carry the load for the hilltoppers defense this season and then i went with app state running back nate noel because there ain't nothing wrong with a, a nice fast shifty explosive running back with so much juice he's going to be a day three sleeper i love it man i haven't i haven't even watched those those last three guys i know you dm me um to take a look at the corner but i i just haven't had time to do it yet so those three that's a great shout out that's why people listen to your show man they get the real sleeper college football knowledge because you guys know it so well jared verse though i definitely agree with you verse would have been edge two for me last year behind will anderson and i genuinely believe that if he would have declared uh, he'd be playing for the Las Vegas Raiders right now. Like he would have been the pick instead of Tyree Wilson, I think. And and he would have been a top 10 overall selection. So, you know, I know why he came back. He came back because he wants to try to win a national championship with, with Florida state. And, you know, so far so good there for that team and what they've been able to do in this early season. But uh, yeah, I, he's phenomenal. So I'll, I'll list off a couple more guys that I just um, written down that I've 
really enjoyed. This isn't necessarily, okay, these are my top five players or whatever. These are just some guys that I've thought of to, to really give some shout-outs to. Latu Latu from UCLA, their edge rusher, he is so dang good. And this is somebody who's got a great story of perseverance, started his career at Washington, going into his sophomore season, suffered a neck injury at practice. And, you know, a couple of months later, Washington doctors basically declare him ineligible, medically ineligible to play football again. And so he kind of medically retired. He stayed at Washington for school, stayed there an entire season. But then when that season was over, he opened back up to the transfer portal. He must have kind of gotten a recheck and he must have heard some from some doctors who were like, no, like you, you, you really might be able to play again. So ends up transferring to UCLA and he's a monster. I mean, six foot five, 265 pounds. He's got the the size to be able to put his hand in the dirt, but he's also got the athleticism to rush from a two point stance as well. Already a phenomenal technician when it comes to hand usage and pass rush moves. Uh, the pass rush win percentage is through the roof because he, He's doing stuff from a pass rush perspective that just college offensive tackles aren't ready for. NFL offensive tackles would be ready for it, but a lot of these guys you face in college just don't have the technique, don't have the experience to go up against what he's throwing at him. So he's phenomenal. Wanted to shout him out. Tyler Newbin, the safety from Minnesota. I mean, dude's an absolute baller. I think that he's probably safety too in this class behind Cameron Kitchens. But if you wanted to argue, uh, if you wanted to argue Tyler Newbin as safety one, it's, it would be hard for me to push back on that just because of how instinctual he is, how he could play both free safety and strong safety for you. He's got a nose for the ball. He anticipates so well. Um, he's a spark plug for him in all assets. So the other guy that I wanted to mention that hasn't been mentioned yet is um, Kalen Carson, the cornerback from Wake Forest. This dude feels like a Jair Alexander type man like he just has that swagger among it uh, within him and he is somebody who's going to be up in your face at all times he's got such great athleticism the click and close start and stop ability it's not quite as good as Devon Witherspoon's was last year but it's close and when you're playing corner that is just such an important attribute of how athletic you are and i just feel like carson's an absolute baller and, and he reminds me a lot of jair all right i gotta pay more attention to the wake defense then because i've been just hyper focused on the offense and jamal banks mossing everyone so i'll pay a little bit more attention to the defense i love that you brought up newbin i he and wally are just so much fun to watch and how about this year's safety class? How incredible that's going to be. Andrew Makuba feels like a forgotten man in this class, and that's kind of nuts to say because he's a wicked talent as well. Dude, there's so many players that, I mean, you mentioned Makuba. Uh, Kalen Bullock from USC has some of the most insane range of anybody I've watched. He's got to get a lot stronger. He's going to, he's got to tackle better, but like when it comes to free safety abilities, the ground that he could cover the interceptions that he got last year. I mean, he's, a, he, he has been phenomenal. Rob Moore, the safety from Michigan, just as a steady playmaker, like somebody who is absolutely going to play ball on Sundays that you love to see. Then you got some guys a little bit further down who, I just think they're really solid football players who I think are going to be picked somewhere on day three, like Cole Bishop from Utah, really great downhill safety. Uh, Jaden Hicks, the safety from Washington State. I mean, his freshman year, I remember reading this article from him where he thought, man, I don't even know if I'm good enough to play in the back 12. He was questioning his own ability his freshman year, but then he really got into the lab, really became a student of the game when it came to film watching and knowing his opponents better, knowing himself better, and just the anticipation the following year was, it was so fantastic. So 
I mean, you mentioned it, man. I mean, James Williams, the former five-star who's at Miami, who's just like a freakish size of a player who's a defense back. He could potentially be in this class. Uh, there's there's a lot of really good safeties in this one, yeah. That definitely are. Now let's talk about some of our guys. Parker, we'll start with you. 2024 NFL Draft. Who are you uh, planting your flag for? Yeah, I mean, and and in just seeing him play so far, he kind of he kind of won me over a bit. Not the most under the radar name by any means, but we've got Brock Bowers as tight end number one, and that's solidified, and that's going to stay true throughout the season. But I just what I'm seeing with how Texas and Sark are using Jatavian Sanders is just really great so far. And I think NFL teams are going to take note of how they're using him. A lot of, you know, starting up off the line, but a lot of motion for him, moving him around, not letting defenses getting similar looks every single down at where he's positioned. Obviously a great athlete, um, you know, incredibly productive. He's, I think he's going to really continue to rise upwards throughout the year, just with what he can do in the passing game. He he runs like a big wide receiver. He's got great moves in the open field. Obviously, I think the with a pass-catching tight end like that, the main qualms with the draft process are going to be, well, how is he in run blocking and, you know, occasionally pass protection? Um, that's kind of going to be the main question marks around him, but it's not going to be overly concerning. So, again, I think Sanders just, in terms of a guy that, you're looking to step in the NFL and be a playmaker for you. You know, if you're throwing out comps, you look at him filling a similar role to he's not same body type, but similar role to what Kyle Pitts is doing at Atlanta, where he's really just spreading out wide and almost acting as another wide receiver out there. I think Sanders will probably turn into having that kind of role. So I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up going. If he can, I, it'll be tough for him to sneak his way into that first round, but I, I could see it happening if he continues to be kind of viewers, maybe second target to Xavier Worthy, maybe even being kind of the first guy. And I think he's second in, uh, in receiving yards right now to to Worthy. So we'll see how it continues to go, see if the Texas offense as a whole continues to have success. That'll probably dictate a lot of things for him too. But I just think from a pure, you know, potential standpoint and, and you know, again, NFL OCs can do a lot of great things similar to Coleman with his size and his athleticism moving him around, making him a problem. So definitely, definitely going to watch Sanders throughout the year as, as Texas kind of continues to to thrive and that whole team gets more NFL draft attention to be, to be honest. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was a top 50 guy for me going into the season just because he's a former five-star athlete. I felt like there was a lot of meat on the bone for them to get him the ball more this upcoming year. And certainly from what we saw against Alabama and what we've just seen already this season, they're very willing to do that, which um, I, I wasn't sure was going to be the case because they've got two, really three great receivers to throw the ball to, which Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, and, and A.D. Mitchell now. So I wondered where he was going to fall in the pecking order, but clearly they're still going to prioritize him in the passing offense. And so those big yards after catch play that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, like those are going to continue because that is definitely his bread and butter. I think he has the ability to be a full-time tight end when it comes to inline blocking, but it's still inconsistent with him. Like he has the strength and the size to do it. Um, He just, he lets guys get up and under him a little bit. Like I, I remember in that Alabama game, there was the play that everybody highlighted for good reason where Dallas Turner wasn't even set up correctly. He was coming from one side of the line of scrimmage to the other. They were a little confused on where they were supposed to be aligned. And Turner didn't even get down into his stance when the ball was snapped. So he just had to like go and just go straight to the line of scrimmage. And he hits Sanders in the chest and he totally overpowers Sanders. And yeah. it's like, man, he should have had leverage there on, on Dallas Turner. He should have been able to block him a lot better. And so I still think that part of his game is, is, is it needs some work. But the receiving part of it is definitely there for him. 
Do you want to go ahead and give uh, one of your guys or two or whatever, Trevor? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go very far because one of my guys is the guy I just named for the Texas offense, and it's A.D. Mitchell. I think A.D. Mitchell going into the season was far too underrated. It's a really good wide receiver class. It is. I watched 25 draft-eligible wide receivers, I think, going into the season, and there's a lot of dudes to like. The margin for where these guys are ranked is so small because of how talented a lot of these players are. But A.D. Mitchell at six foot four, man, he moves so well. He has the makings of a fantastic route runner. Not only does he have that size to be able to go up and get balls high in the air, be a good red zone player, a good third down player, but also I think he's got really fluid hips. How he can change direction is super impressive for a player who is six foot four. And I think we've we're seeing a a potential fantastic route runner at the NFL level in the making right now. And I thought we saw a little bit of that, even in his freshman and sophomore years at Georgia, I got to believe the only reason we're really not talking about this guy more is because he was hurt last year and he just didn't play a ton. You know, I think that if you include this Texas or this past Alabama game, he's caught a touchdown in like eight of his nine last nine games. And four of those games were college football playoff games. The dude, I understand the wide receiver usage. Xavier Worthy is going to have a higher number than him. You know, when it came to Georgia, Brock Bowers and even Lad McConkey had higher numbers than A.D. Mitchell did. But when it came to scoring points, when it came to capping off drives, scoring in the red zone, guess where they looked? And they're still looking at this guy, even in a really talented room at Texas. And so I I, I think that A.D. Mitchell was, was way too – slept on if you will going into the season and i had him as wide receiver five going into a year and as a top 30 player so he's somebody that i, I definitely got to stamp as my guy and i think he's gonna end up being one of the one of those transfer cases where you look back and you say he made a phenomenal decision and moving and not that the situation at georgia was terrible by any means but his usage has gone up i think he's in an offense that's more conducive to to his skill set so i think yeah people are going to look back and be like there's one of those cases where transfer portal benefited a guy incredibly and saw him be able to kind of show his true talent somewhere else. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. I'll give you a few names uh, because of course I can only give one. Dante Kent corner at central Michigan. I think he's one of the most physical corners in the country, just super disruptive, always around the ball. He's not somebody that, Matt quarterbacks want to throw to and then when they do they regret it because he's breaking up that pass with ease I think he was credited with like 30-ish pass breakups over the last two seasons he's just an absolute disruptor uh I love Malachi Corley as well obviously I mean who doesn't I don't think that he's gonna get the the round one stuff that there was kind of some hype for recently which I was a big advocate for I don't think that'll come into fruition, but he's going to be a heck of a day to pick. Can't wait to see where he lands. And then truthfully, Jacob Cowling, uh, when we're all looking for the next Zay Flowers and doing all that, and I ain't making the comp or anything, I just know what people think. They're going to flock to Jacob Cowling and what he brings to the table. He's someone I would have gladly taken in the top 50 last year. I'll gladly take him in the top 50 this year. I can't wait to see where he lands. Look at the juice that he plays with the explosiveness, the crafty route running. He's just savvy. He knows what he's able to... Like, dude, his ball skills are so underrated, too. I know we saw him on full display uh, at UTEP early on, I think, against New Mexico State in 
2021 was it which is incredible to think about it's been this long that i've been hyping up jacob cowan but the kid is an incredible player and i can't wait to see the hype that he gets and i also just wanted to give a shout out to uh micah abraham who uh the son of donnie abraham he's an incredible talent as well marshall just the extreme ball hawk um I thought he would have entered last year. He didn't. I'm not sure what his NFL draft stock is going to look like, but he's just an intelligent player with great closing speed, a lot of range as well, and he's always been fun to watch. So if Mike Abraham ever gets some draft hype, I'll uh, I'll be very happy about that, to say the least. Yeah, Cowing is somebody who I know a lot of people like because, I mean, he's just a production machine, especially Mm -hmm. at the college level. You know, when it comes to projecting him to the NFL draft, he's just really small, right? And at any time that you get like really small players like that, it's hard to fully separate yourself to say, yes, this dude is worth taking really high. And I think that certainly there are a lot of players like that who will go on day three and sometimes light it up in the preseason. And sometimes, heck, they'll they'll make opening day rosters and maybe that's going to be Cowing's story. But I didn't see an elite athlete to make up for him being so much smaller, but he's so productive. And I think that if you get him with a coach and an offensive coordinator who wants to put a lot of emphasis on that part of the offense, if it's quick hit stuff, I think this guy can be somebody for you for sure. Let's look ahead to the 2025 draft because we need to do that. Of course, it's of the utmost importance. That class is absolutely stacked some incredible players in there i want to i'm curious who you guys are looking forward to seeing and who i don't know just recommend like who college football fans nfl draft fans need to get familiar with asap for that 2025 draft i don't care if it's a top three potential pick or pick 252 hype that guy up so this was the segment that i was looking forward to the most because you guys know the depths of college football better than I do. You know, as an NFL draft person, I'm always focusing on the guys who are draft eligible now, but certainly you'll watch on Saturdays and you'll go, holy hell, who is that? And then you'll look it up and be like, oh, okay, they're a freshman, redshirt freshman, or they're a true sophomore or something, and they're not draft eligible yet. Obviously, at the very top of the list uh, is Travis Hunter for me. I, I mean, he's he's going to be a top five pick next in next year's draft. It's just a matter of time. Handful of other players, though. George has got two that are are phenomenal that I've already seen in Malachi Stark. She's probably the best safety in the country. And uh, Michael Williams, their edge rusher, who is probably one of the best edge rushers in the country. Neither of those guys are draft eligible yet. Harold Perkins from LSU, only a true sophomore. He's somebody who I think is going to be uh, highly rated whenever we turn the page to the 2025 NFL draft. Although I would like LSU to actually put him on the edge. That would be nice. <laughs> It doesn't sound like they're going to do that. It sounds like they're just going to keep him at off-ball linebacker. So, what are we doing? I I don't know, man. I don't. I I just don't know. And and look, people are like, oh, he's two hundred twenty pounds. Like you can't put him on the edge. Well, wait on him. What do you What do you mean? Like get him up to two thirty five. Do something like that. Like get him to two thirty five. He get to get to two forty. Fine, but dude, bro, Dallas Turner was probably playing between two thirty five and two forty last year. And he was succeeding. Now the NFL, I, I'm sitting here as an evaluator. I probably say like, all right, you probably have another five more pounds, 10 more pounds to go. But to Harold Perkins is going to be a phenomenal athlete, no matter where you put him. 
So if you put him in off ball linebacker, there's going to be plays where he looks great. Like some people pointed out in the Florida state game, they're like, Oh, look, Jordan Travis couldn't run around because Harold Perkins was spying him. Okay. Obviously that's going to work, but he, he does more from you. He does more for you. If you let him rush the off the edge. So I don't know, man, hopefully yeah, they well, let him like rush. Off you the just edge, have but... like a monstrous talent and then decide, Hey, we, we're not going to, utilize you at the position where we maximize your value the most where is not going to do that lest we forget on the on the keon coleman uh 50 50 ball that becomes a hundred nothing ball easy touchdown where he's calling for it after the george right. travis qb sneak perkins got pressure off the edge on that play he, he, he got there right the right tackle yes yeah. he smoked him the, the right tackle didn't even touch him i so i actually tweeted out that clip and i had some people respond to me and they're like oh uh why are you pointing out a clip in which Florida State scored a touchdown that doesn't help your point? Yes, it does. What are you talking about? It's not Jordan. It's not uh, Harold Perkins's fault that Jordan Travis just threw it up there and the LSU DB couldn't handle Keon Coleman. If Jordan Travis would have held on to that ball for like nanosecond, like a fourth of a second longer, Perkins probably gets his hand up and probably hits his hand while he's throwing it. That's a dip. That's a major difference. Anyway, all right. So there, there, I, I there's a to... big there's a big issue with people thinking that only like one side of uh, you know like only the quarterback could win that rep and the edge rusher can or like multiple guys on the field on different teams can't win the same rep, which is just astronomical. Like what? Okay, whatever. Yeah, you're right. Let's just move on from this. Last guy. Last guy I wanted to shout out is. Um, <laughs> is Jaden McGowan from Vanderbilt. Uh, he's somebody that I've had the chance to see in person a couple of times. And I, every every Vandy game I watch, I just want them to get the ball in this guy's hand because he is absolutely electric. He's a former track guy. He's got uh, phenomenal speed. So um, Jaden McGowan was, is the one guy that I don't know how many people know of his name just from a national perspective, uh, but he's, he's somebody you got to keep an eye out for, for sure. Yeah, and then uh... – for my guy, I'll um another another guy that I completely forgot to look up pronunciation beforehand, but so I applaud in advance. But touched on cowing, I'll raise you another Arizona wide receiver, uh, Tetaroa McMillan, uh, true sophomore, six foot five, two hundred ten pounds. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me this season is in watching him. Uh, in I didn't watch as much of him last season. This season though, he has great burst. He can go at six five, six foot five, which is impressive to me. He was a four star out of high school. 247 Sports lists him as the top Arizona football commitment of all time. Yes, greater than Rob Gronkowski, who is also a four-star, but ranks fifth all-time for them. Um, he was a guy that they expected to come in and kind of support this, this new look, uh, you know, up-tempo air raid offense with Laura and Cowing. He's really done great so far at a phenomenal freshman season. I think just you obviously look at that size, and that's going to have scouts drooling, but then the athleticism and the ball skills are there right now. Still only a sophomore, and you, you expect um, – you know, especially next season, once he becomes kind of the face of that wide receiver room, uh, he should really explode onto the scene as well. So I, I'm really going to watch him to be one of those top wide receivers in next year's class. I think he's going to have a great chance to kind of rise up boards even even this year. Just I mean, especially after that freshman season, I mean, appeared in every single game, uh, started eight times and he led all true freshmen nationally, 702 yards, 39 receptions, eight touchdowns. There's there's a lot to like uh, with McMillan for sure. Love it. Love it. 
think, of course, guy throw a nod to to Drew Aller, my Heisman pick for this season. Who's not going to win the Heisman? Though I I've thrown in the towel already. That ain't happening. Uh, maybe wait, my, wait is, is he playing well? He is oh, playing well, but I'm like, all right, Caleb Williams is all right. Oh, just sure. Going yeah, nuclear, yeah. and Michael Penix Jr. is just going to throw for 608 touchdowns every game. I'm just throwing them in the towel. I know Aller's not going to get it. Still uh, kind of kind of like my Penn State to win it all prediction, so I'll, I'll roll with that. But Evan Stort, he's going to be a top-10 pick uh, in 2025, I think. For him, football just comes so easy for him, so it's so natural. We saw him ball out in the loss to Miami as well. He's going to be super coveted. My guy at Cal, Jaden Ott, who suffered a scary injury against Auburn, going for a hurdle up the line of scrimmage on, on East-West play that uh, I hope he's okay, but this kid brings so much uh, whether whether he's uh in the running game or receiving game, he's also just a really good kid that I've really enjoyed talking to. And I, I wrote up a piece for our preseason magazine and he he he's determined to get to the league and they'll get there and he'll do great things. Another running back to be on the lookout for is gonna be Boise State's running back. Uh one of their th- three talented running backs. They have Helani, of course. They also have Ashton Ginty, whose ability in the receiving game is going to have NFL evaluators like you just drooling. He is so dang good. He's the best running back in that room. I will not hear otherwise uh, than like low-key Jambres Dubar at Boise State, true freshman. So he's not 2025 or anything. Just saying, look out for him because he's going to be an NFL back as well eventually. I want to give a nod to DQ Smith uh, safety at South Carolina. I know South Carolina is kind of struggling a little bit to start the season, but he's, one, he's we all know what South Carolina produces at DB, more so corner, but at DB as a whole, and DQ is going to be one of their next guys. He's super physical, intelligent, former quarterback. Uh, he had offers to, he was, for his recruiting, he was in between either playing quarterback at like a smaller school or playing safety at like South Carolina or Michigan. He opted to play uh, safety at, at South Carolina, but, you know, I, I like DQ Smith a lot. And then, um, okay, th- this one could be bad because the chances this kid enters 2025 are super slim. But he's off to a torrid start this season. Western Michigan's running back Jalen Buckley, 38 carries in two games, 281 yards, two touchdowns. He ripped off like a 75-76 yard run against Syracuse. Pretty explosive redshirt freshman. Excited to see what the rest of his career looks like. I mean, hey man, group of five running backs making it in the NFL. All for that. See, this is this is why this is why I'm here. Why I'm here? Because I I wanted to make sure that I get all the names down next year. Next year, preseason, I get to start off. I start off with love. Great stuff. Great stuff. No problem. Glad I could get some of those names out there for you. Then. This, uh, right now, we'll do our player focus. One power five, one group of five slash FCS. Parker, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm looking uh, this weekend at – I want to call it football's true journeyman. Uh, Keaton Slovis has found himself at home in BYU. Uh, and, and the start to the season for the Cougars has been very interesting, to say the least. You had the 14-0 uh, win over Sam Houston to start things off. Not exactly what you expect from that game. Then you have a, a tune-up game against Southern Utah in Fayetteville – on the road against an SEC team this weekend, Slovis and kind of his last chance to really prove that he is an NFL caliber quarterback. This is one of the marquee games, if not the marquee game 
for him to do that. Um, and he, I mean, he's had solid numbers so far, 493 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, 42 of 65 passing. Um, so you like the numbers there. Slovis, he's always had the arm talent. I, I also would argue that the decision-making um, and kind of football IQ has always been there. It's really just consistency with him. He's also obviously far from mobile as a quarterback as well. So that's something you have to take into account, but Interesting to see how he performs in the road this week. He's got a solid uh, skill position group around him at BYU, so I'm interested to see if that offense can really kind of find its rhythm uh, in what should be a very tightly contested game against an Arkansas team that hasn't looked all that hot to start the season either. Uh, so definitely looking at him in terms of the group of five. Uh, Torrey Horton out of Colorado State. He's a guy we talked a lot about preseason, uh, star receiver over there. CSU's only played one game so far, of course, but they got the big one this weekend, uh, Rocky Mountain Showdown against Colorado in primetime ABC. Obviously, everybody's going to be focused on the plethora of incredible players that Colorado has. But if you're looking for someone to look at on the other side, Horton, he had 81 yards against Washington State on nine catches. He's shown that he can do it against Pac-12 foes. I think he is poised. That Colorado defense, I'm still really not buying as a whole. Um, I think he's poised to have a pretty good game this weekend. Colorado State more than likely will not keep it that close, but look out for Horton to, to do some good things. How are you, Trevor? All right. So for my power five player, um, I'm watching Jaden Daniels as they go on the road to Mississippi state. Um, Arnett, who is the defense coordinator for Mississippi state. Now he's the head coach. Um, I think that they've played really well to start off the season and going to Starkville. Anytime you go on the road in the sec, it's a tough test. What really stood out to me a lot from Jaden Daniels at LSU last year was the lack of turnover worthy plays. Like he really took care of the ball last year. Now he didn't have a ton of big time throws. So it's not like this guy was really pushing the ball and always making the right decision, but he made sure that as he grew as a passer last year, that he did so not putting the ball in harm's way. And that's not a very easy thing to do. And it's not something we see very often, especially with quarterbacks who get on the field first because of their athletic ability. And that was Jaden Daniels when he was at Arizona State. He got on the field very early because he was a great runner and because he could hit the deep ball. Well, now he's really trying to hone in on being a pocket passer and he did so last year kept the turnover worthy plays really low he has yet to have a turnover worthy play yet this season including in their game against fsu they, they didn't come out on top but he did not throw a turnover worthy play uh can that continue on the road uh in the sec against a, a good mississippi state opponent so um looking forward to see that one and then the group of five player that i'm looking forward to seeing this week we get malachi corley back versus ohio state which is huge because he gets to go up against some ohio state secondary players which will be great nfl tests for him and then just overall you know you're going into uh ohio state and you're at least i think it that, that game's at ohio state right i think it's yeah. at ohio yep. state. um and so you're going into a hostile environment you know you've got some nfl draft potential you kind of know you're the man around town can you stand out you're going to be on the same field with guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka on the other side, uh, Julian Fleming as well, right? Like guys who are NFL draft caliber players. Can you stand out or be in that same tier as those guys in that game? I think it's going to go a long way for him if he's really able to catch fire this game and put on a really good performance. 
I have been waiting patiently for this Western Kentucky Ohio State game since uh, I I don't know the first half of the Georgia TCU national championship game. I have been waiting for Malachi's moment here, and it's good to see that he'll be back because that injury scare in Week One was absolutely frightening. Uh, I just I hope he goes out there and and puts in a really good performance. I'm glad that you give him some shine there. For my Power 5 pick, I'm also going to go receiver. Going to go to Virginia. Uh, Malachi Field, six foot four. He's a very, very talented receiver who won't have much buzz about him because of the team that he's playing for. He's playing for one of the worst teams in the country, whether it's Power 5 or Group of 5 level. Uh, uh, as Chris K tweeted out, um, Malachi Fields and Malik Washington have accounted for 59.2% of Virginia's total targets so far in 2023. As someone who has Malachi on their campus to Canton fantasy team, I'm very happy about that. Malachi has a very large catch radius and he's a very good jump ball threat, but what he's even able to bring to the table now that we're seeing, because he's actually playing football and we haven't got to see this in, in, in the last few years is, He's just finding ways to separate and get open. He's becoming a really good, safe, and reliable option. And on the Virginia offense, it's pretty lackluster. So I love seeing Malachi thrive. I hope that Fields continue will gain some traction this season and maybe parlays it into like moving up to a better Power Five school via the transfer portal and has you know a big year in twenty twenty four. Then we can talk about some NFL draft stuff. Uh, for my for my group of Five guy, I was gonna say Colorado State receiver. It wasn't gonna be Horton. It was gonna be Justice Ross Simmons, who I see as Jay Norvell's next Romeo Dobbs. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll go away from that. I'll go to a safety at App State. It's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll go to Jordan Favors at App State, a violent safety whose Twitter bio just says headhunter. Uh, that's why he is. He is physical. We saw him on the two point conversion. Drake May uh, in that overtime game last week was stopped short at the on the goal line of the two-point conversion. And it was Favors that came up and popped them, made sure he didn't get there. That's what Favors brings to the table. A lot of physicality. Uh, he played running back in high school as well. So love that uh love that athletic background. And I even he lined up on, off the edge last week too and got like a, a quick QB hurry or something. Uh, I think he's a very exciting player. I believe he's a redshirt sophomore. I'm excited to see his breakout campaign continue. And now we could get into some game picks. LSU Mississippi State's going to start us off, guys. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start us off. I it's a tough one. I think it's this is much more of a toss up than I feel like a lot of people would would expect. I do really like this Mississippi State team. I think they they gutted out a really impressive win over Arizona last week. Um, that being said. I think this LSU team is a team that knows its back is against the wall. They, they they have far less pressure than they did entering that week one conscious Florida State, which I think is really a benefit to them. I think Jaden Daniels is red hot and is playing some of the best football of his career right now. You know, I think he even still really played an overall great game against Florida State. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one, but I like having an experienced quarterback like that on the road. Um, Mississippi State, I still think their ceiling is, you know, seven, eight wins. Um, and with that being said, I think LSU ends up coming out on top by single digits, probably looking at a touchdown somewhere around 28-21, 28-24. Uh, but I think LSU goes in there, gets an important win, and kind of keeps on that 
that end goal of running the table up until the Bama game, keeping yourself in that playoff mix, that's what they're looking at. The schedule sets up nicely for it, but there are plenty of bumps in the road, and Starkville could be one of them this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, so you guys know a lot more about these college football matchups or some of these games than I do. So I'll take some time during my breakdown to highlight PFF's green line tool. So if anybody out there listens to this podcast and wants to like bet on some of these games, uh, I'll take a little bit of a betting angle. So I'll kind of shout that out as a way to preview it on my end. But um, our green line tool, which kind of tells you via our simulations, what we like one way or the other, they like Mississippi State plus 10 a lot. And I think that this is going to be a close game. 10 points seems like a lot, but I do agree with Parker. And LSU's just the better team right now. This would be one hell of a win for Mississippi State. And, and it, it is not out of the question, but I still got to take LSU in this one. I also think that Jaden Daniels is playing really good football. Um, and I think LSU kind of needs this one to get back on track, if you will. So I'm, I'm going to stick with LSU. All right. Well, I will be taking the other side. I like Mississippi State here. I just like their defensive identity. I feel like Will Rogers just doesn't get credit for being one of the truly great college quarterbacks in this war. I don't know what his NFL future holds. Maybe it's just a backup gig for a while, or maybe he's off in the CFL. I don't know, but I do know that he's one heck of a producer in this sport and he'll continue to just put out really consistent and solid performances. I'm going to take that over riding the roller coaster of what could be the Jay and Daniels experience. It, I'm sorry. Him hurdling into the front seven just is engraved into my mind. And just, I just, I, I just like Mississippi state here. I told I, on our podcast, uh, one of them before the season, I said, LSU's, my, I think they're going to be the most disappointing team this season. I think they're like A and four, nine and three caliber. I could see them starting one and two. So I got to follow the blueprint or else I'm not really a man of my word. <laughs> Kansas State Mizzou is our next game. Oh man. As a, as a current Missouri student and person who covers the Missouri football team uh, for a website, and this is a, easy one to predict uh what missouri has shown us thus far has been underwhelming to say the least um the south dakota game you saw brady cook start in that first half you're up 28-3 at halftime offense is clicking on all cylinders uh second half you throw in sam horn because again open quarterback competition throughout the summer see what the former blue chipper has offense largely struggled under him he only threw five passes didn't have as many chances regardless you ended up winning 35-10 last week mtsu 23-19 an abysmal performance, just MTSU was blitz heavy and that's their identity and Mizzou and the coaching staff thought they were prepared for it. And they were very much so not cook had people all over him the whole game defense struggled to contain a uh, quarterback run game from the blue Raiders. That being said so far, Missouri defense is elite. That's that's set in stone. The only question mark on that unit was defensive end coming into the season. Johnny Walker, Jr. Darius Robinson, Niles Gaddy from Jackson state. They figured that out offensively Brady cook to me I, and this is a common debate Brady cook is not the issue for me he's serviceable he gives you the best chance to win week in and week out he's his ceiling is relatively low but you can win with him this offensive line has been the concern for the past couple of years and it is still a concern the run blocking has improved uh Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete have had great holes to run through the pass blocking is still abysmal they've also recorded seven penalties so far Facing the Kansas State team, prides itself on winning in the trenches, plays disciplined football, has looked very impressive, beat a great Troy team last week. 
sets up for another easy, you know, humbling victory this time in Columbia after they embarrassed them last year in Manhattan. I see no way Missouri scores more than 20 points. K-State's going to get at least 24, 28. It's, it's going to be a fairly easy one for, for Chris Kleiman and, and company. So our green line tool likes Missouri plus five. Um, but I can also see that 87% of the cash bet on this game and 92% of the tickets placed on this game are in favor of Kansas state covering the five points that they're giving up. So um, a lot of people in the public seem to be with you, Parker. A lot of people in the public seem to like Kansas state uh, through our simulations. We, Seem to like Mizzou with the five points. This one was tight for me. I think I'll go Kansas State. I think I got to go Kansas State. I think they're better in the trenches. Obviously, that's going to matter most in a game like this. I, I don't know. I don't know if Missouri just has the overall playmakers. I know they got burdened, but I don't know if they have the overall playmakers to make up for being deficient in the, in the trenches in this one. It feels like I got to side with Kansas state. So I'm going Kansas state. They haven't been able to find wide receiver two yet. That's the big thing they need right now. Cause it can't be burden or bust yeah. the whole year. I have zero interest in ever picking this Missouri team. I think the entire season, right. I think the first two weeks were, Probably the most underwhelming performances any Power 5 team with actual somewhat expectations has put out. It it, it blows my mind that Drinkwitz is able to get any and every recruit they seems to want to. I don't know what's happening. I, I'm picking Kansas State because I know Cooper Beebe and friends ain't losing this game. Minnesota yeah. and North Carolina is our next one. Yeah, uh, that's it, it's a interesting one for me and i'm i'm interested i'm very interested to hear liam's thoughts on this because i know his thoughts on minnesota I'm but uh roast out by this game <laughs> but uh i think just minnesota i mean they they've got the same identity they've kind of had the past couple of years defense first run first the passing game is really still a struggle i mean that they were incredibly fortunate to win that nebraska game um in the fashion that they did and you know that's that's pj fleck has made a habit out of winning kind of close fun games like that but on the road against UNC, I think UNC had a wake-up call last week, kind of got brought back down to earth after the South Carolina game. Um, I think Drake Drake May hasn't had the start of the season everybody expected, but he's still in large part been himself when he's needed to be. Uh, and I think just, I mean, again, I can't see Minnesota scoring more than 20. I can't see UNC scoring less than 28. Therefore, I've got to go with the Tar Heels. Yeah, this would have to be a meltdown of a game from Drake May. I think for Minnesota to win this one, uh, you mentioned he hasn't even played, I would say his best ball over the last two weeks and it's been two wins. So um, I think, I, I think I got to roll with Drake may in this one. I think he's going to have a really solid performance against a good defense. You know, we talked about Tyler Newman earlier in the show. Uh, he's going to be ready for Drake may and he's going to want to get his, his hands on one of those footballs for sure. But I, I just think it's going to be too much. I agree with you. UNC's offense too potent. They're going to score too many points for Minnesota to keep up. It's it's a fascinating matchup between Drake May and the Tar Heels offense against Newbin Wally and the Gophers defense. I think this game could be, I think it could be low scoring and ugly and like UNC only scores like 20 and Minnesota scores like 
like 10 or 13. I think it's going to be a disgusting display of football. I'm taking North Carolina. I still like Minnesota to win the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West is such a joke. I was not a top 25 team. I don't know what AP voters are seeing. I, there is no reason that any Big Ten West team should be ranked. This is coming from a guy that ranked the Gophers 18th in his preseason poll. <laughs> a Big Ten West team should not be ranked the entire season. I really don't care if they're 11 and 1. Okay, maybe. Maybe I will then, but my goodness, this brand of football that they play out there is so appalling. It's disgusting. We saw Minnesota against Nebraska say, hey, we'll throw a ball. We believe in Nathan Kalkmanis. Guess what happened last week in the 25 to 6 potential Scorigami win over Eastern Michigan? They ran the ball 56 times. Sean Tyler has 17 That's carries. That's true football. Yeah. True football. Freshman freshman Darius Taylor, who nobody in the country could have told you who he was two weeks ago, comes in as 33 carries for 193 yards and a touchdown, but a long of 22, like he's Muhammad Ibrahim, the reincarnation of. I don't know what – they're back to that style of football. Sorry to Corey Crooms and Elijah Spencer and the other receivers that they have. A few of those guys transferred in. You're not getting many targets this year. I'm sorry. Corey Crooms could be an NFL dude, too. I think he's one of the better Western Michigan procs in years past. His stock could be absolutely nuked because of that offense this year, which stinks. I wasn't planning on talking much about that, but is what it is. Idaho Cal's up next, and this is actually a fun game for fun football fans. Yeah, this is it's a really tempting one to to take the Vandals. They are, I mean, because they're, again, as you said, fun to watch um, and have an offense they can throw out there and compete with a lot of some of these lower-level Power 5 teams. That being said, I, I think this is one of one of Cal's better teams the past couple of years, regardless of that Auburn loss last week. I overall liked what I saw. I think the defense is going to be able to at least hold serve uh, against Idaho, and I think physically with that offensive line in the running game, I think they'll be able to do enough to control time possession, uh, you know, keep the ball away from Idaho's potent offense, ended up securing a win. I can see it being close though. And we've had last weekend, I forget how many it was. We got a handful of FCS over FBF upsets. And it maybe like it's a trend this year. It's three. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe it's a trend this year. I don't know, but I'll, I'll stick with Cal for now. Uh, I'm going Idaho because I don't Ooh. know a lot about this game other than the fact that, Idaho has is bringing in a pretty potent offense versus the caliber of opponents that they face so far. I know that Cal is going to be the best, but like, give me that versus a Cal team that really couldn't move the ball at all versus an Auburn defense that I think is um, fine, but I don't think it's like earth shattering. So in football, the team with the more most points at the end of the game is declared victorious. And so I think that Idaho's That's got a true. better chance of that being the case. So I am, I'm going to go with Idaho in this one. So I hated what I saw from Cal last week. I thought that that, that was an easy win that they had in the bag and they fumbled. Uh, they tripped over their own feet like a thousand times to not be able to win that game in a game that they could have been up 20 plus in is truly astounding had three missed field goals had a a made like 50 yarder to end the half which gets taken off because of a false start or something and then you're having to do a hail mary that doesn't go well at all and blah 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 they, they left so many points on the board the the offensive identity felt like it was a completely different thing from what it was against North Texas. I felt that they funneled touches to three high quality running backs very well and then didn't do 
that at all last week. Um, I, I don't know what happened. And as much as I would like to take Idaho, I, I can't do it because I do think Cal has too much firepower on offense. If Jaden Odd isn't playing, I'm going to want to switch my pick real bad, though, because Trevor, Idaho, best quarterback receiver duo in all the FCS and Giovanni McCoy and Hayden Haddon. Hayden Haddon could have easily been a guy who was at a power five had he transferred after last season. He's a very good player, incredible ball skills like Idaho is a team that they I think they would easily go bowling if they were in the Mountain West or something. That team is so good. I ranked them fourth in our FCS preseason poll, but I mean, I I don't think I could be a maniac and pick them. I just don't think I could do it. So props to you, Trevor. Well, I'll, well, I'll do it. Yeah. No, I just I don't really. Cal doesn't really move the needle for me. And maybe I'll look back on this one and I, you know, it's falling flat on my face, but uh, maybe I think Idaho's in a better spot. I, I think, think Idaho's in a better one, spot. So maybe this I, is I, one where Idaho makes their claim to come back to the FBS with a win here. Dude, that if team is choose. so good. X and elite ball coach. And maybe I'm just falling into the vortex that is back the pack before it gets nuked. I don't know. Tennessee, mm. Florida's up next, though. Uh oh. Man, um, I grew up, both my parents graduated from the University of Tennessee, grew up a big Tennessee fan. I've seen them lose to Florida, specifically in Gainesville, in pretty much every possible way that you can think of, from a Hail Mary to a 4th and 14 game-winning uh, touchdown. Um, they haven't won in Gainesville since 2003. The, the outlooks for both the teams couldn't be more different. You've got a Tennessee team starting the season. Well, I guess both of them started the season underwhelming. Tennessee, of course, with higher expectations. Florida this season just going to be kind of trying to tread water to make a bowl game. Tennessee's underwhelmed. Last week, that offense really, even in the Virginia game, I thought Joe Millen had a good, not great uh, performance. Austin P was really abysmal for that entire first half. Got things a little bit going the second. I think it's going to be close regardless. Tennessee's not going to walk in there, blow them out, because at the end of the day, Florida as a program and university has a mental edge over that over that Tennessee program that the Vols have not been able to figure out at all, save a miraculous 2016 comeback with Josh Dobbs. And then last year when your team was just so much better than Florida at home in Gainesville, I think it's going to be close. I like Tennessee to at least do enough in the fourth quarter. They have more potential on offense to make big plays. Uh, I think that Tennessee defense has been slightly underrated so far. I think they're honestly a solid unit and proved upon last year. I think that'll be enough for them to eke one out, but it's it's not going to be a blow by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I am a University of Florida grad, um, and I'm 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 taking Tennessee. I I, I what? I, I, no. I, I was I was just <laughs> look. I after that week one performance, man. I I get it. I get it. I, I have I have to see it to believe it at this point because that. What they tried to trot out there against Utah was so bad from a coaching and game planning perspective. I, I don't care that you beat McNeese. I, I I don't care. Like it does that that doesn't. You are so much more talented than that team that it literally doesn't matter. This is actually the first game since the Utah game, if you ask me. If Joe Milton throws you at least two interceptions, of course Florida's got a chance. They're at home. They'd win the turnover battle at that point. So they'll they'll have a chance. And I don't think Tennessee's going to blow them out or anything. This game was actually, I went back and forth on it, but 
I can't I can't pick the Gators knowing the last time that they actually played a real football game. It was that embarrassingly bad from a game plan and coaching perspective. Um, I think they have good players. I think you can point to guys on the roster and say, hey, this guy could have a really nice day. I'd agree with you, but I'm just I can't pick him after what I saw against Utah. That was you had you had what seven months to prepare for that game. And they looked that flat. Unreal. So I gotta I gotta pick Tennessee in this one. I have to pick Tennessee. I really thought you were gonna pick Florida. I really did. Um I wish I could, Liam. I really wish I could. When the slate is underwhelming, as I said at the top of the podcast, you cue the Jaws music and the murky waters and you expect something gross to happen. And I don't think that there is any chance. There is no reason that Florida should win this game. But when the spread is six and a half for how awful Florida looked, I will just take Florida. I think they look terrible. There is no actual logic behind this pick aside from (laughs) the spread is six and a half. The slate stinks. Something's got to give. If we want a chaotic season, we could start here. And if you want to flip things and talk about the volunteers, again, another team that I've been so unimpressed with. They're my preseason number 13. Yes, I hate preseason polls, but I'm going to evaluate a whole lot more than a win and a loss as we go throughout the season. And their ranking has been steady with the AP poll, which I think is an absolute joke. Again, I had them 13. I dropped them to 14 uh, after week one against Virginia. I didn't think that that was a very good performance at all, regardless of the 49-13 final score. Then Austin P. I drop them to 19. I don't think that this team's been very good at all. I could see him being unranked after this week with the loss to uh unranked in my floor, at least with the loss of Florida. So uh yikes, I am a sicko for taking Florida. James Madison. I'd love it. Next. I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. And I think you're I think you're a genius and I think you're a trailblazer. <laughs> I think you're ahead of your time. Nighttime, nighttime at the Go swamp Gators. is is different. Uh but yeah, JMU it Troy. Is. We're talking about the the pinnacle of Sunbelt football in 2023, at least in my eyes. Um, I'm in love with James, this James Madison team. I have been since they came to the FBS level, to be frank with you. I also almost equally love Troy, but not quite as much. James Madison is going to go on the road. They're going to solidify themselves as the best team in the Sunbelt with this victory this weekend. And they're still, at least from what I have, uh, what I recognize, are not allowed to compete in the championship game this year or a bowl game. Still. They're still going to make their mark uh, as the best Sunbelt team this weekend. It's going to be a close one. It's a really – there's a lot of different matchups all over the field that are going to be worth watching for this one. Um, I think Troy's still going to bounce back from this one and have a great year as well. But I've got the Dukes going on the road. Uh, I'm going to go last on this one because I don't know anything okay. about either of these teams, and I'm going to decide based on whose argument I hear, I think is the most compelling. <laughs> oh, man, I, I should have gone for longer then. I was prepared to just go quick and short on this one and just say I'm taking James Madison. <laughs> but uh, All right, I'll then I'm taking on. James Madison. Oh, All right, then I'm I taking James go Madison. No more. I, I, again, another team that I've been unimpressed with is Troy. This is a defensive first team that has that identity of their program built on we're tough, we're nasty on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to stifle everything. We're not going to give you opportunities. We're going to win low-scoring, close battles like they did last year. They- They gave up 30 to Stephen F. Austin. They gave up another 42 to Kansas State. I watched the Kansas State game. They gave up explosive play after explosive play, just large 
chunks that Kansas State was able to gain. That's not Troy's identity. I don't know what's going on there. My radar is going off. I'm worried for Troy in the defense because that's what's supposed to be the heart and soul of that program. And you have James Madison in their offense this week, and you have Western Kentucky next week, and even Georgia State has a point offense like best of luck in the next three weeks if your defense is going to continue to overwhelm underwhelm because your your offense can't make up for it all right jam you yeah all right all right okay well next one is uh southern illinois southeast missouri state the pinnacle oh i don't know that i don't know i don't know anything (laughs) about this one either I don't know anything I'll about the ahead. next two, actually, so it's all you guys. All right, yeah. all right. Uh, Southern Illinois has an FBS win to their name. SEMO did not do nearly as well in their shot to get an FBS win. Not many people at the University of Missouri like SEMO all that much, so I will take Southern Illinois on the road. All right. I, I'll, I'm, I had Southeast Missouri State ranked 10th in the preseason poll, Southern Illinois unranked. Um I'm I'm blanking on their names, so it's just unfortunate. But SEMO has a really good quarterback receiver to wait. Never mind. I have the names, I think. Yeah, I do. I'm an idiot. Paxton De Laurent is Southeast Missouri State's quarterback, and that receiver is mm-hmm. Ryan Florney. Florna, how do you say his name? The names are tough. I think he was on Feldman's freaks list, actually. I could be wrong there. I think he was. Um but that being said, I'm just taking the Salukis. They have two really good, impressive wins to their name. And I'll just, I, they might have a really, really good team. And they play in the best conference, arguably the best conference in the FCS, MVFC and Big Sky. Toledo, San Jose State next. Wait, we um, got to get Trevor's pick. Oh, well, he said he said oh, he was going to this one. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Salukis just because okay, I, okay. I love that mascot name. It is yeah. so good. That's, that's, that is my that's my in-depth college football analysis for that one. <laughs> um yeah, Toledo San Jose State. Um I I think the Rockets have solidified themselves as the best team in the Mac so far this season. They could easily be two and oh, probably should be two and oh. They let that Illinois game slip in week one. Um I love Finn at quarterback. I think they're a really well balanced team. I think San Jose State is a good team too. Just unfortunately, the schedule is their starting schedule is brutal. Um, I, I like Cordero at quarterback, but I don't think they're going to have enough on the road to keep pace with Toledo, and their defense is not going to be able to slow down the Rockets. I, I don't really. That... I I I was going to say I, I don't know much about San Jose State, but I know that Toledo's playing good ball. So I was yeah. going to go with Toledo in this one, anyways, even from the limited amount of knowledge that I have on the situation. Yeah, so Toledo's got a potential NFL player in Quinion Mitchell at, at corner. He had the game last year. I forget who it was against. He had four interceptions. He was on my radar well before that. He's just he, – so Dan Mullen actually said when he was at Florida, he was recruiting Mitchell. Didn't land him, I guess, and Mitchell goes and just balls out Toledo instead, whatever. Uh, Toledo should have won the Illinois game. They, they really should have. They dialed up – perfect defensive play on a fourth down that Illinois kind of fluked in the, to get that deep ball and kicks the field goal over. Toledo might be the most impressive team in the Mac. Uh, I'm sorry to my Bobcats. Toledo's nasty, man. Obviously, Daquan Fant, quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the group of five. Uh, BYU-Arkansas is up next. Yeah, I got it. It might be closer than people think, but I still like Arkansas at the end of the day. I think it's a team that hasn't reached their ceiling yet. Um, I really, I'm really wanted to see Jefferson's had a solid start to the season, but I want to see Rocket Sanders take off this week as well. 
Um, and I just – I BYU's offense, I've not been encouraged by enough so far to really take them in a hostile environment on the road. I don't think um, – I don't think Sanders is playing. I think he's still out. Oh, is he still out? Okay, then yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I, think, I completely I, forgot. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's still out in this game because that would that would have also been something that really helped me sway it um, towards Arkansas. I'm with you, Parker. Though I'm I'm also taking Arkansas in this one. KJ's been awesome. He really has. He's been taking a lot of the great highlight things that we saw from last year, and and we're already starting to see him from this year. I think that he's been a more confident passer. From an NFL draft perspective, the ball placement specifically, I know that the accuracy scores for him have been generally high, but when you really got to have it, especially when he's throwing outside the numbers to the side, the sideline, sometimes that ball placement is not exactly where it needs to be, whether it's leading a receiver on a screen pass or, um, hitting a comeback, hitting a back shoulder fade ball, like whatever it is, or even just like a simple, like an out route sometimes that accuracy to the far side of the field or outside the numbers is not what it has needed to be from, from, from KJ. And so I really want to see more of that, but ultimately I do think that this is Arkansas's game to lose. So I'm going to go with Arkansas. Can't lie. I switched my pick. I'm taking BYU. Uh, I'm thinking, I am thinking I want to be kind of one of the only ones with BYU here in Arkansas, maybe a little look ahead to the LSU road game next week. Mm. Um, BYU's got some dogs. Uh, Chase Roberts is going to be a very underrated receiver for the entirety of his BYU tenure and will be in like 2025 and be like, this guy's been there since, I don't know, he's been there longer than Perry else was at Kansas. I think that's what it's going to feel like. Then Jacob Robinson leads a lethal trio uh, of talented corners that BYU has. I'm just, I don't know. We'll, we'll go with BYU here and Pitt, West Virginia is our final game. Backyard brawl is back better than ever. Um, I, it, it's a tough call for me. I think uh, Pitt last week against Cincinnati had a real measuring stick game. I think that Cincinnati team is better than a lot of people, myself included, gave them credit for coming into the season. I think Emory Jones is sparking that offense. They still got dogs on defense. So I don't take too much away from Pitt for that game. Jurkovic really did struggle, which is the one concern. He was supposed to be the answer, a quarterback for them. That being said, West Virginia just at the end of the day does not really have anything that's moving the needle for me. I've said from the preseason, I think Neil Brown is probably going to be out of there, uh, you know, probably midway through the season, late in the season, potentially. I think this will be a loss that contributes to that. Pitt probably goes in there. It's going to be a close one just like last year, but I've got Pitt. This is going to be close. This is such a toss-up game. I feel like Djokovic should be the difference maker, right? But I agree with you completely. It's I, I didn't think that he – some people were really hyping him up as an NFL draft guy when he was at Boston College. I didn't really see it other than him just being big. Um, so I didn't think that he'd necessarily light the world on fire when he got to Pittsburgh. You know, give me the home team. I'm going to go West Virginia on this one. Give, give me West Virginia. They got Aubrey Burks to safety, who I like in this class. Um, oh, their center. Oh, my goodness. What's his name? Uh, Zach Frazier. Zach Frazier, thank you. Uh, I think he is awesome right in the middle of that offensive line. Um, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take West Virginia in this one since they're at home. All right. I am spinning a random wheel because I don't really like either of these teams and I <laughs> I just, don't either. I, I, I don't, team. Okay, we're You're picking loving the wheels. 
Oh my gosh. I guess I'm picking West Virginia and let's go. Would you have been happy either way? <laughs> no, I would have been very unhappy either way. I don't like either of these teams. Um, I almost just wish that I picked Pitt because of MJ uh Devonshire, Al Quippa kid. I love the Al Quippa the Pitt to NFL pipeline like Darrell Revis did. Al Quippa. I mean, golly, those dudes put out some absolute ballers year after year. Um, I guess I'm not picking Pitt, though, so country roads or whatever. Uh, well, should be, uh, it should be a good week, though. I, I think, you know, I, I you pointed it out in the very beginning. I do think underwhelming week, but these are a lot of the weeks where we get the best football, I, I would argue, if college football has, has shown us anything. I'd have to agree with that. Hopefully that leads to Florida. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I thank you so much for, for joining us today, Trevor. Um, again, for those listening, watching, Trevor's ass been on the screen the entire time. PFF's lead draft analyst. Now he's going to do incredible work today, tomorrow, and well into the future in the foreseeable like future. Uh, he's going to do very good things. Can't thank you enough for joining us today. Make sure to like and subscribe, all that stuff. Follow us. We'll do, do whatever you want. Comment uh, stuff. I don't know. Upsets, players to watch, game picks that we got wrong because we hate your team. I don't know. You just comment whatever, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. All.